Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Watching the Boxes Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I am your host, Mike Katrin, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Tyler Watts. What's up, Tyler? You, you changed it up there. I like that. You added in the fantasy basketball. we we got to lead with what we know, and wow. the people need to know that it's a fantasy basketball podcast. All right. We're sounding official nowadays. So yeah. that's a- you know, we got to step our game up this year. Um, coming in the season, we might uh, might be looking for a new theme song. Um, maybe maybe some sound effects. I doubt we're going to sound effects. It seems a little, a little cliche, but we'll see. Oh, plus, the listeners will miss out on all my great sounders I make up on the fly. Yeah, I feel like you know people like that much more than they actually like a professional sounding podcast. Oh yeah, definitely. It's been a very uneventful couple of weeks for the first time uh, this year for the NBA. Not not really much has gone on. Uh, Kyrie hasn't been traded. Nico Miritich and and Nerlens Noel are still not signed. Uh, what's going What's going on? I I, di- I don't know what to do with myself without a constant feed of NBA news. Um, I wrote this article, and I, I was like deathly afraid the entire time. All right, it was the best remaining free agents available. It took me a while, and I was worried the whole time that someone was going to sign and ruin it. Like just as I finished it. And that was like a week ago, and it's still perfect content. You can still read it, and it would still be 100% right. I'm very surprised about that. It's the longest-standing best free agents article uh, of all time. Never has there been a, (laughs) here are the best free agents, and that stayed relevant for more than two weeks. It's true, and there's some really good players still out there. That's what's crazy. I mean, you got Mason Plumlee, you got Nolan Noel, Nico Miritich. Jamichael Green, Tony Allen. I mean, there's yeah. still some some quality vets out there, man. I'm I'm not really sure what's going on. Um, I I wonder if well, you know, obviously the market dried up and these teams are just going, hey, we we got we're gonna lowball you. No one's trying to buy you, so deal with it. Well, and what's crazy too is a lot of teams don't have the roster spot, so they have to actually if they're gonna sign one of these guys, they have to cut someone with a guaranteed contract, or they're so far over the salary that the most they can offer is like the veteran minimum. So some of these guys are going to get totally screwed. And some of these restricted guys are going to be better off playing on that like $4 million qualifying offer and then going back out next year and trying to get more money. It's wild what a, what a difference a year makes with the crazy contracts that came out last year. A lot of teams still uh, hurting for that. And I'm, you know, I hear a lot of crap. There's a lot of nonsense on Twitter, but Oh, Oh, is uh, cap space going to start at the power forward this year? Oh man, what a great asset cap space is! And I, I keep saying, uh, go go ask Portland if they'd like to uh, trade for cap space because I think they would. Well, and here here was the dumb financial part about last summer's offseason is like you always want to get a player at their market value. Like just because you have the money to spend doesn't mean you should spend it. Um, and and a lot of teams got caught because the, now the salary cap's coming lower than what they thought it was going to be. And those horrendous contracts, I mean, and um, we're not even talking about like giving Mozgov the 15 million, which was obviously not oh, a good decision. So but but even even guys like Alan Crabb and Tyler Johnson, who got overpaid based on the production they were giving, like those contracts are hamstringing teams now. They, they look, those contracts look really, really bad. Um, and actually, we're going to get into talking about at least one of those teams here in the next few Um but if you haven't been listening, the, the last episode, everybody, uh, we're doing our team previews for this year. Uh, last week, we covered Golden State, 
the Spurs, Toronto, the Bucks, the Wizards, uh, the teams that really didn't have a lot of turnover. But this uh, this go round, we're going to get a little bit deeper. We're going to start going to the teams that had uh, at least a few assets move around or a few new players. Uh, the more interesting stuff will be coming up later in the season. Uh, and we're also working on uh, our rankings. How are your rankings going right now? Um, they're going. Um, That's a good way of describing it. Uh, nothing too surprising yet, I would say. But um, it's it's always kind of, for me, I, I kind of try to do like a team and 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 then kind of throw it all together at the end. And so that's usually when I really catch the surprises. Yeah, I, I actually take a different approach. I'm not a fan, like a huge fan of rankings. I uh, I like to tier my guys. And especially if you're doing head-to-head, like I really don't recommend rankings. With Roto, I would recommend rankings because, you know, you can kind of gauge which one of those guys are better in nine cap. But you still, you still got to go with who you draft and how you draft. And we're going to do some uh, draft strategy uh, podcasts coming up in – uh, September, uh, we're going to have a, a couple special guests even. Uh, excited about that? Oh, of course I'm excited about that. Yeah, it's funny. I, I work I, – I, I'll say this to people. I usually work so hard on my rankings and projections, and then, like, when it comes to my draft, I kind of rip them up after the first two rounds if it's a snake draft and, like, probably, like, five minutes in the for, in the auction. I, I like, usually stick with mine in an auction, but in the snake draft, they go right out the window. Oh man, see, I just know who I want and I know kind of what team I'm trying to build. And so it's like, I don't know, like I spend all the time doing it and then I guess they're just like in my mind. So like I very rarely ever even reference them. I'm just kind of like going with what I know. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of excited to talk about strategy. Uh, You can kind of tell that uh, fantasy basketball is starting to ramp up a little bit. You're seeing uh, bits and pieces of uh, people's rankings and the schedule just came out and so... Uh, the NBA is is coming up soon, and uh, um, and at some point, let's talk about that. The schedule actually kind of changed things a little bit for head to head leagues in the sense that there's not too many instances where the schedule is going to make a huge difference this year. There's a yeah, there's a less discrepancy, and that's why I kind of don't like head to head, is uh, because you can have one team that plays legitimately like four to five to six more games than another team, and it really it swings an entire week when it's really not your fault that the schedule fell that way. And uh, I like that that's the the new schedule kind of uh, evens out the weeks just a, a tad bit better. And I think that's kind of the goal, right, is, I mean, you guys hear all the narratives about the resting of the stars and all that. So, I mean, that's, that's what they're shooting for. And that's legit. I, the, the players play too many games, and I want to see – I'd rather see a healthy playoffs than end up paying money to go see the Spurs and I have to deal with their B squad. Well, and I mean, nobody wins in that situation, right? Like, if you paid the good money to go to the game, you you want to see any play, you know, every player. Um, so no one wins in that situation. Yeah, and I, you know, I think the league's going to come down. It's like if we have a, if you have a national TV game, you're going to play your guys, and uh, that's fair, I think. Uh, luckily, the Chicago Bulls. Well, number one, they don't have any stars to play, and number two, they don't have uh, any. They have one, one single national televised game on ESPN. I, th- I thought for sure that was going to be your lead and that they're going to buy out Dwayne Wade. Um, that's the word on the street. Uh, but I, I believe they are going to play the – they got nothing else to do, right? Um, uh, lousy guard packs in that front office. And their number one goal is being cheap. So 
they're going to wait Dwayne Wade out. They're going to see how long it takes for him to want to strangle himself playing on this terrible Bulls team and, you know, take half of his paycheck or whatever. Serious question. If they get rid of Dwayne Wade, do they have a guard that plays minutes on another NBA team, especially one that's competitive? Um, if you're going to count Zach Levine as a two guard, yes. Zach Levine, I, I, I'm i talking about like on opening night because I don't think Levine's going to be healthy on opening night. I don't think he is either. Uh, no. I didn't think so. That's what's crazy. That Their opening night, like if you're projecting just their opening night and you're going to say Dwayne Wade is not a part of it, that entire guard rotation and even the wings looks – Ugly, my friend. Hold on, don't don't throw Paul Zipser under the bus just yet. Zipser and and I think Denzel Valentine might be all right for fantasy. He looks like he's going to get a lot of minutes. Yeah, I don't I don't even know what to do fantasy wise with them and and Atlanta, um, and those are the ones that are kind of throwing me for a loop in my rankings. Uh, I'm just looking forward to getting that number one pick next year for the Bulls. So, uh, you know, good luck. Be the be the worst team you could possibly be, and it, it sounds like the Bulls are going to be. Uh, I could tell you some stuff about that draft, but I'll I'll save that for a later date. Yeah, let's let's save that. Let's get into it. Let's do. Uh, let's get through these teams. Uh, we got a lot to go. We, did, we really haven't got through. To, we got twenty five more teams to go. Hey man, don't don't put any pressure on me. That sounds like a lot. Yeah, well, let's get through uh, twenty five of them tonight. I, I doubt that's going to happen. We'll probably get through way less. Uh, where do you want to start? You want to start in Miami? Uh, let's do it. The Heat, always an interesting team. The Heat are, are, are kind of um, one of those teams where none of the players themselves, like the names, aren't going to stick out in a draft. So, like, I, I kind of like some of these guys. You know, outside of Hassan Whiteside, um, a lot of the players on the, on their team are guys that really you have to kind of be um, knowledgeable about the NBA to get excited about. So, a lot of these guys go for under their actual. Um, draft value and that's what and those are the types of teams that i kind of like well i think that's what what us guys are always shooting for right just a little little crack in the market there a little chink in the armor yeah you you really want to find value you don't want to draft someone at their ceiling and i doubt really any of these guys other than Whiteside are going to be drafted at their ceiling i just well, let's, I don't let's, see that let's talk about mr Whiteside a little bit shall yeah, we yeah let's go, go let's go right into it um so, relatively speaking, I suppose I'm looking for more of a, a round value or part of round value. Uh, where are you going with Mr. Whiteside this season? So I'm a, I play a lot of Roto, and um, Mr. Whiteside is not that great for Roto Leagues. But uh, Hassan, he really – he a lot of people are going to say he took a step back last year, but I, I don't see it that way. I think he played – about as as good as he's going to play. He averaged 14 rebounds a game, which was pretty absurd. Uh, his blocks were uh, down from the year before. He uh, he only had two blocks this year when he was approaching four blocks in the season beforehand, which is quite frankly insane. With a kind of increased load with no Chris Bosh, no, no Dwayne Wade, I think this was kind of to be expected, and I, I really don't see him doing anything terribly different this year than he did last year. Uh, I'm with you in, in that sense. Um, what worried me is the blocks were not only down from the crazy season, right? I don't, I don't think anyone expected him to get four blocks or three point seven, like he no, did. No, the no. Other. A few people in the drafts that I were in expected him to get four blocks. 
from when he was he's taken in the in the first round well, in, in people, quite a few of these drafts. People in the drafts you were in had a few too many drinks. Okay. Well, that's in all the drafts of it. Uh so he averaged 2.5 the year before, and that's kind of where I was expecting him, and he only ended up getting 2.1, which was a little bit of a disappointment, but the overall numbers weren't. Um, the problem, and maybe it's not a problem, right? Whiteside is, like, really good in, like, four categories and really not good in four categories if you play in an eight-category league in the sense that he's not a good free-throw shooter. He gets you... I mean, the steals are okay, but you, you're wanting a little more. He gives you, like, almost no assists and exactly no three-pointers. So his, he, his steals are not great either. They're not – he doesn't He doesn't break that uh, one steal mark. That's what I mean. So he's, he's kind of like a four-good and four-bad category guy, um, which always makes me a little hesitant to pick him Other in the sense that I've got to, like, fill the buckets then, right? Like, I've got to – make up for his deficiencies a lot i always feel yeah, like he's he's an acquired taste and and he's really way more value and valuable in head-to-head um but in roto he does he does have standardly value simply because of his absurd amount of rebounds and his uh, free throws are not great but they're also not deandre jordan bad or andre drummond bad uh, but yeah, that's who not- you would you would equate hassan whiteside to those three guys yeah, they're not in the 40% range. I mean, it's in the 60% range, which at the amount of attempts he takes, which is 4.6 a game, uh, it's somewhat difficult to bounce back from, but not. it's not impossible, I guess. Those yeah, guys, those other two, it's impossible, I think. It's around a Rudy Gobert-esque uh, type of line. Uh, let's let's throw it out there. Who, do you, who would you rather have in a head-to-head league? You're obviously punting... Um, a couple of categories, and these would be the guys you uh, you would go around. And I think, uh, you know, in some of the podcasts coming up in September, I think we're going to be doing a couple of those uh, theoretical, if I drafted this person in the first round, what does the rest of my draft look like kind of podcast. But you got these three guys on the board. You, beginning of the second round, Gobert, Whiteside, DeAndre Jordan. How do you rank those guys? Head-to-head league. Give me Gobert, then give me Whiteside, then give me DeAndre Jordan. Right down the list. All right. I mean, I think you can't go wrong with either any of the any of those three guys if you're trying to do a, a punt free throw type of build. Um, I almost would maybe consider Whiteside over Rudy Gobert. Just maybe. Uh, I think Whiteside does have the ability to get a few more points. His blocks aren't significantly worse than Rudy Gobert. Uh, I, but I'd put, I'd put DeAndre Jordan as a strong third. I actually think – I'm with you on that. I actually think Gobert might take a little step forward this season in the sense that Hayward's gone and they maybe ask him to do a little bit more. And he might kind of have the Whiteside-ish season of last year and this season. And well, That's actually kind of what I fourth. worry about. Uh, Whiteside was on track to be, uh, you know, a top ten player uh, with his after his breakout season, but then once the offense started revolving around him and there was a lot more ability for teams to focus on him, he kind of took this step back last season. And Rudy Gobert could be in a similar situation. Yeah, but I mean, okay, he took a step back in the sense that he was seventh, and now last season he was twenty fourth on per game values, but. And in the sense that, like, he performed over his head, and then he just stepped back to where he was. 
supposed to be. And the categories that he lost in, he made up for in other categories. And I kind of see Gobert being the same way, that I think Gobert is going to kind of be I, – I honestly think they're both in a 12-team league, probably like late second-round values. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, I like that position for both of them. I punt around uh, – usually when I do a head-to-head and we're getting a little into strategy, I punt based on my second-round pick. Um, and so – First round, there's an and this year I feel like there's enough first rounders to to really go around. Like there's a ton of great players in the first round. Uh, so my second round pick becomes well, there's obviously a good guy, but he's deficient in something. Let's punt off of that. Um, I'm with you there. Let's see what else happened with the Miami Heat. They added uh, Kelly Olynyk and uh, AJ Hammonds. If you care about that, uh, they drafted Bama Badeo, and uh, they lost Josh McRoberts. And obviously, uh, Chris Bosh, who I uh, hope the best of health. Chris, you know what? Chris Bosh never hated that guy, even though I hated the uh, the Heat for a very long time. And they really re-signed um, basically everybody back. James Johnson and Dion Wares getting uh, fairly good contracts. Uh, the big addition to this roster is, I guess, Kelly uh, from a fantasy standpoint. Uh, Standard League is Kelly Olenek. Uh, do you see him playing uh, enough minutes to be standard league relevant next year? I don't think they're going to have a choice. I don't think, especially at the beginning of the season, they're not going to want to play Bam a ton. Um, and I don't think they can play Bam and Whiteside together. Uh, except for a few matchups. I mean, maybe when they're playing the Kings and the Kings are running out two huge guys, they can run out two huge guys. But, I mean, are Bam and Whiteside going to play together when they're playing a team like the Warriors? This is just not going to happen. So I think Kelly Olynyk is going to get to see – you want to know really what, what I'm thinking? Probably like 27 minutes a game. Really? 27 minutes? That's that's uh, higher than I thought. I think um, anything approaching uh, on the uh, above side, above 25 minutes a game, he becomes, you know, one of those uh, fringe players. And uh, anything above that, you know, once you start approaching 30, I think Kelly Olynyk's going to bring standard league value. Um, simply because he can hit those threes. He's going to be a little bit more open. Um, I don't know. He'll be as probably as open as he was in Boston. Um, and it'll be interesting to see him playing uh, with Hassan Whiteside, um, what that does to his game. I'm not really sure. I, ha- I haven't really thought too much about the Kelly Olenek experience, in, uh, which is, I think, what they're billing the Miami this year's Miami Heat season as the Kelly Olenek experience. Um, I'll say this. He was... A 12th round value in, in a 12 team league last year, ranked 133rd at the end of the season on a total value basis uh, when he only played 20 and a half minutes a game. So um, I think he could probably slide his way into the top 100 or pretty close next season if he can kind of produce those same statistics, which I don't see why he wouldn't. Um, he's not a guy I love to pick in the sense that yeah, the there's steals, nothing super special about him. Well, and the steals and the blocks aren't great, and yeah. that. Usually at that point, I'm looking for some fill some deficiencies, and like you said, he's not really filling any kind of deficiency because he just does a little tiny bit of everything. Uh, let's let's go through the rest of the Stainer Leagues guys on this team. Uh, Gordon Dragic, uh, he had Gordon? a pretty, Is there a guy named Gordon. Gordon Dragic. <laughs> now, these 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 Eastern European names are always going to get me. Well, I do love Eastern Europe though; it's a beautiful place. Dragic, he was 45th on a standard head-to-head nine-cat rankings last year. 
had a pretty good year, 20 points, about six assists, a little over a steal, four rebounds a game. Does he have a better year this year? Is he, is he going to regress? Um, I think he's a top 50 guy, but barely. I mean, I think he's he is what he is at this point. I don't think he's really going to get any better. I don't really think he's going to get that much worse. Yeah, I don't see a huge leap out of him, but I also don't see anyone uh, trying to take his playing time. And um, he's 31 years old. That, that doesn't necessarily mean a hard drop-off by any means. Um, I'd feel comfortable picking him in the top 50, but um, if he falls below the top 50, I would I would be looking forward to picking him. Uh I'm not. I'm not seeing anything, any breakout potential from him. Uh, they did resign James Johnson. I'm. I'm a little down on James Johnson. I, I think he had a, basically a career year last year, and he's getting and, stuck into a, a situation where Justice Winslow is back in the rotation, uh, and they got a couple other forwards that they can they can throw at teams. Well, okay. So here's here's the way I'm looking at it. I am well down on James Johnson. One, because I think he kind of made a name for himself. People remember, oh, I picked him up off the wire and he won me my league last year. So people have a tendency to gravitate towards that player again. Uh, number two, Winslow's back. They added Kelly Olynyk. Okay, so those two guys are going to kind of play that. Justice Winslow's going to play some three, play some four. Kelly Olynyk's going to play some four, play some five. Uh, they're going to want to get both Waiters and Richardson minutes. So there's no real great place for James Johnson to get a ton of minutes. And like you said, I think that was his ceiling, right? That was his peak year. So if we assume he's going to regress a little bit and he's probably maybe, I mean, I can't really see him getting any more minutes. I don't really see how he gets any better. And I think his name is out there now. And so he's probably not going to be worth the pick. Yeah. He finished the season pretty strong. Uh, People know about him. He's uh, one of our favorite types of guys. He gets us over a steal and a block a game. Uh, he does really everything. He's really the glue guy. Um, he gets very good rebounds and assists and throws in a three. But he, uh, the problem with those guys is if he takes a hit anywhere, if he suddenly is below a steal or below a three or only getting two assists a game instead of four and, uh, four to five assists, uh, that, that value drops off pretty quickly. He's got to be doing everything just right to be a top 50 player. And... I think he's going to drop down to below or around 30 minutes a game, if not below 30 minutes a game, uh, simply for the reasons you said, uh, there's not enough minutes for all the people on this team. Well, and he had a kind of a breakout season at 29. He's had quite a few injury problems in the past. I just, I, I don't see it getting any better. And I, I kind of think people are going to be around, you know, somewhere in the, right around the top 50, they're going to be wanting to take him. And I That's- just, yeah, that's that ceiling, out. right? That's that's basically ceiling. Right, yeah, there's no profit built in, right? Now, if someone if he's getting drafted at pick 100, then yeah, I'm probably in, but I just don't see that happening. No, I, I don't either, unless you're in a league that doesn't pay attention. Um, I think he's a little bit more, so we have, we've had two guys kind of break out in the last couple of years, uh, Demar Carroll and Marvin Williams, and Demar Carroll, you know, basically disappeared pretty quickly, but uh, Marvin Williams has kind of kept a you know, kind of plateaued and stayed on that plateau for a couple of years. I think he's a little bit more Marvin Williams than he is a Demari Carroll. I don't think he's going to suddenly disappear next season. Uh, standardly relevant for sure, but, you know, do expect to maybe be a little bit less effective uh, overall 
next season. No, definitely not a name I'm circling on my sheet going, I got to get this guy. No, not at all. Uh, are there any other guys on this team that you are circling on, on your draft sheet? I, I can't say that there are. Um, I mean, I, this, this team might have had the most um, players in one roster where, uh, that were on a standard league team at some point in the season because Tyler Johnson was probably on a lot of people's teams. Deion Waiters probably made an appearance. Josh Richardson definitely made an appearance on quite a few people's teams. Um, I don't, I'm not sure uh, Wayne Elliott made an appearance on a team, but I'm sure a healthy Justice Winslow uh, did uh, at the beginning so of the year. That, that's, that's, a lot. That's, the, that's the one I want to talk about is Winslow. Yeah, I think there we should. People... Because... Where, where were you last year? Where did you, at the beginning of the season, were you one of the ones super hyped on him that were kind of getting crazy with the pick in him? Or no, no I, you... was, I was willing to take a flyer on him at the end of my, um, at the end of my dress. And I, I'm, I was in the same boat. Yeah, I was not like taking him in the seventh or eighth round, expecting you know a five tool kind of guy. I mean, like in reality, his ceiling would have been James Johnson, and I'm I'm not even sure he can do that. Can he shoot? I haven't seen any evidence that he can, but I also haven't seen him play uh, very many uh, about eighteen games uh, over the last season as an actual uh, you know starting uh, minutes type of guy. He did have some very interesting uh, games last season. He had a uh, 23 and 13 game with four freaking steals and uh, three assists. He had a couple six and a seven assist games. He does seem to be very reliable when it comes to steals, which is a, a category that's very hard to, to, to find. But he shot 35%. That's very bad. And for his, car- and if for his career... Now, granted, it's still only 687 field goal attempts. He is a 40% shooter. That's that's pretty terrible. And he's a he's a bad free throw shooter. He's he's a and, he's a three four uh, who should, for no reason should be shooting bad free throws. And he's a and terrible a ter- and a terrible three point shooter. Yeah, and in today's game, throw he seems to me to be someone you could fit into a punting strategy. Uh, and not necessarily someone I would pick up. I, I, quite frankly, I don't. I'm not sure he's going to be standardly relevant next year. He uh, still 21. Uh, I'm interested. How, do we do we know if he's playing basketball yet? I haven't heard uh, a peep out of Miami, but I think they're all just partying right now. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, so he is, I believe, playing basketball now. Which is good, right? It gives him some time to work on his game, work on his jump shot. Um, I'm, I'm not in love with him, but in my last round of a standard league draft, he's maybe the kind of guy I take a shot on still. Just he's only 21. They want him They want him to be successful, right? He was a high pick, or one of their very few lottery picks. Um, I just think they want him to succeed, and they're going to keep putting the ball in his hands. And he's kind of got an interesting skill set, but... That probably only doing it if I'm punting the percentages, because I don't think he's going to be great at shooting anything. No, um, and that's going to affect basically his his value in any type of league. Being a very bad free throw shooter, being a very bad uh, field goal percentage type of guy, he's going to get the minutes though. He's going to play starters minutes. They are pretty much bought in on the fact that this guy can uh, be a, a somewhat of a star. 
Well, he played 35 minutes a game last year in those yeah. 18 games before he got hurt. And you, that was age 20. So at age 21, you can't really think they're going to give him any less minutes. Yeah. Now, granted, that was before they realized Tyler Johnson and Josh Richardson were worthy of playing over 30 minutes a game. Uh, those guys' minutes increased as the year went on um, just out of necessity. And it turned out those guys were you know, talented enough to uh, to be standard league relevant and to be relevant on an NBA court. Um, I'd, I'd like to see what happens uh, with him back in the roster. I think that hurts Josh Richardson um, and Tyler Johnson uh, both in, in a way because you got Tyler Johnson and Deion Waiters splitting minutes, uh, and then you got basically Josh Richardson and Justice Winslow splitting, splitting minutes with James Johnson. This could this could be almost the reverse, um, where where last year there was a bunch of players that were relevant. And this year, no one might play enough minutes to be relevant. Well, and it it hurts the upside of everybody because I'm going into my draft. I'm not super excited to have any of these guys unless they fall to. I mean, obviously, there's a price for everybody, but they're all kind of cannibalizing each other. So even late in the draft, I'm not super excited about having Josh Richardson or Dion waiters or justice Winslow, because you know, what if it's the other guys who get the minutes and you get left out in the cold now in a standard league, that's not the worst thing in the world. Cause you can just cut them and find somebody else. But in the leagues that I, I mean, I mostly play in are deeper leagues. Like it's hard to gamble on one of those guys, unless you really have some courage in your convictions in the sense that, there's nobody to pick up. So you're just stuck holding the guy playing 20 minutes a night and you're kind of up the creek. Yeah. You're taking a, you're taking a shot here and I, I don't want to take a, a shot on, on justice Winslow. I, I guess I would take a, if I'm going to take a shot on somebody in a, in a deeper league, it would be James Johnson just cause he does have kind of all the tools. Um, and I wouldn't mind, you know, Tyler Johnson as well. Tyler Johnson just got paid, which is a little worrisome, but, uh, that guy, he can also, you know, approach a uh, one steal one block um, as a guard, which is which is pretty impressive. Um, is there any, you know, deeper league talents or dynasty keeper um, type of guys on this team? Other than, I guess, Bam Amadeo would be your dynasty outlook. And I was really impressed with Bam in the summer league in the sense that he showed a jump shot that I wasn't expecting and. Um, I think I waxed lyrically about this once before that I was really impressed with Bam's summer league performance, but he can't play next to Whiteside and he's not going to get many minutes behind Whiteside. So he's kind of one of those guys you stash him for a couple years and you hope that he finds a different situation or Whiteside does and he gets a lot of minutes, but I think it's a couple years off at least. Yeah. I think a lot of people uh, look at him as like a, a Thon McCurr type of player, but um he could be, but he's not going to get the playing time with this crowded of a team, uh, unless you know, unless he's something special. Um, I, I, I would have him higher in my uh, dynasty rankings and keeper rankings than than quite a few of the rookies. But um, other than that, deep deeper oh. leagues outside of the guys we mentioned, I'm I'm not too excited about anybody. I'm with you. All right, let's let's hit up the next team. Who's our next team? I don't even know. Um, ooh. The one of the greatest. Ooh, the Ooze, my favorite team. One of the one of the greatest mediocre teams of all time, the Detroit Pistons. Oh, they now don't so hate on Stan Van Gundy. Mediocre. 
They're so mediocre. Now, they at least did some interesting stuff. Uh, no. they, they made the trade for Avery Bradley, um, the moving um, Marcus Morris over to the Celtics along with uh, Aaron Baines. They then, for some reason, just got rid of uh, Caldwell Pope and ended up bringing on Langston Galloway, Anthony Tolliver, and drafted Luke Kennard. So it's sort of the same team with a few, a couple new pieces, a couple, uh, the, the main building blocks are still there, basically. Um, so where, where do you, where do you want to begin with the, with the obvious Andre Drummond or, or somewhere else? Well, uh, to, to answer your question of why they got rid of Caldwell Pope, it became a money thing. Basically they were, they were near the, the tax limit. And when you traded for Bradley, and got rid of Morris, right? The whole reason the Celtics wanted to do that deal is Marcus Morris is on a really cheap contract. And so Avery Bradley made a lot more money than Marcus Morris, so they didn't have the money to bring back Caldwell Pope. Yeah, they could, I understand that they couldn't sign him, but um, it was kind of weird to how it all kind of went down over uh, the course of a few days. Well, um, and it's this team was interesting in the sense that they, they paid Langston Galloway. Now, not a ton, but... Uh, their big thing last year was the bench, right? They hated their bench that they didn't really think they got any production from it. And they weren't wrong. Uh, that's really why they put Toby Harris on the bench, like about, I don't know, halfway, three quarters away through the season, is they wanted someone to come off the bench who could handle the ball and score a little bit, and they didn't really have anybody. So they tried to build up the bench, but instead they got Anthony Tolliver and Langston Galloway and Luke Kennard. And I mean, I don't know that that was building the bench. So I think we're kind of in the same boat and that the starters are going to probably play some significant minutes. So yeah, at least this is almost, um, this is almost the, almost the opposite in, in a couple ways of the Miami heat. Uh, they got so many players that, you know, they're, they're going to cannibalize each other's minutes here. The starters are just so much better than the, the bench. They're, they're going to, uh, get relevant minutes, which is good for fantasy consistency. But, you know, none, none, none of these players are terribly exciting. Um, is Avery Bradley the best fantasy player on this team? Well. Are you going to make a argument for Reggie Jackson? I dare you. No, I'm not. I'm not going to make an argument for Reggie Jackson. Okay. I mean, okay. I, I was just going to say Drummond is the best player if you're punting free throws, obviously. Yeah, if you're in a head-to-head, you're punting free throws. You do not care about your free throws at all because um, you are going to get last. Um, unless, you know, so I, I'll, go, I'll go off a little tangent. Andre Drummond, you're about to lose a ton of money. If you but, don't figure out your free throw situation, just shoot underhand. You're, I will say this. I, I'd, probably rather, I'd probably rather have Toby Harris and Avery Bradley too. Really? Is that weird? I would disagree. I think Tobias Harris is is just fine, but I like Avery Bradley uh, quite a bit. I guess I'm a little bit more on Avery Bradley uh, this okay. year than most. Um, so where where is your big improvement in Avery Bradley? Or are you seeing him about the same? I mean, he switched teams. Uh, the uh, same, relatively the same, maybe even more minutes are probably going to come his way. I'll give you that, but... Yeah, I, I could see a, a handful of more minutes, uh, maybe even running more plays for him well, outside I mean, he, of uh, just you know watching Isaiah Thomas shoot the ball. He played thirty-three and a half minutes. Now, 
I mean, Mark Marcus Morris has had some years where he's played like 36 or 37, but I mean, he's not going to get that many more minutes, right? I mean, we can both agree on that. There's just not that many more minutes a person can play. True, uh, but before the before the injury um, in the middle of the season, where he sat out for about a month and a half or so, he was having an incredible uh, year. He, he he was having multiple uh, double doubles from a guard, you know, getting over 10, 10 to, or more 10, than 10 rebounds a game. That's kind of where um, I'm worried about, to be honest with you. You think that's where he takes an actual hit? Because I, I, I'm not really sure. I guess there, there, there was a need for someone to actually rebound the damn ball yes. on Boston, but here there's not. That, that's a good point. And so, okay, so let's look, at, let's look at the three years before last year. He averaged 6.1 rebounds a game last year. Yes. Now, in right. relatively the same minutes the year before, he averaged 2.9. And then the minutes dropped the next two years, but he averaged 3.1 and 3.8. I'm more in the like four, four and a half, five rebound range than I am six. Hmm. That's um. That's a very good point. I think you might be convincing me that Tobias Harris could be a better pick this year. Uh, his assists could go up a, a little bit, but that's really not his game. Uh, other than that, across the board, he should be very similar uh, to last year. And I mean, I, I just I mean, they're similar guys. I think Tobias Harris is going to probably shoot a little bit better percentages. Um. I think the rebounds are going to be relatively the same. Uh, I think Avery Bradley maybe gets a few more assists. I think Tobias Harris probably gets a few more three-pointers. So, I mean, I think they're – given they play the same amount of games, which, I mean, we never can really super project that. No. Um, I think they're similar players, but I, I kind of think I prefer Tobias Harris. They're actually surprisingly similar players. I don't think I've ever – uh, put and I don't know why I would put Avery Bradley and Tobias Harris's yeah. stats right next to each other. Um, they're eerily similar players. Yes, uh, which is I think a little worrisome for someone like Tobias Harris, who I guess should be better. Uh, no, 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 no. See, this is this is where I think you're maybe missing maybe my ultimate point. I think everyone thinks what you think. Avery Bradley, much better player than Tobias Harris. So I think I'm buying Tobias Harris because I could probably get Tobias Harris two, three, four rounds lower. Well, if you're going to put in the context of where you might be able to draft him, I'm going to agree with you. Tobias Harris is not a sexy name. Um, he's but he's Avery Bradley, right? I mean, you just said it yourself. Yeah. He's Avery Bradley. So well, he's not. He's not uh, shooting guard eligible. So that could adjust some people if you play in the leagues where you actually have specific. I'm not a fan of those kind of leagues, but well, and I, I think know. that like ESPN and those guys are getting so much more liberal with the position eligibility, anyway. That it never really seems to make a huge deal to my teams. I think that's fair. Um, do you think Reggie Jackson is due for a bit of a comeback, uh, or yeah. do you think that injury was the uh, end of it? Because I don't even feel like they wanted to play Reggie Jackson uh, down the stretch last year. Uh, oh, they definitely really sure. did not. Yeah, they like they were trying not. not to. And that's incredibly worrisome. And I, I know in a couple of my leagues, people were trying to move Reggie Jackson because they're like, oh, it's definitely a, it's definitely a, a buy low situation. And I was like, no, it's not. This is, this is who he, this is what's going to be. Well, and the weird thing about Reggie Jackson is, I mean, he did play 
only 27.4 minutes last season, which was not a lot. But he's never played more than 30.7 minutes a game. I mean, like, doesn't every starting point guard play more than 30.7 minutes a game? They should. And the, the Bulls are going to really try to break that record. But... Um, I'll say this. I am very interested in Reggie Jackson if he's rated very low in the sense that I think there is a lot of upward mobility possible. But I am not – I'm never hunting for Reggie Jackson because, I mean, we've gone over this a million times, no steals, no blocks really. No steals, no blocks, no for me. Wow, that's the that's a good phrase. I like that. It's a good catchphrase. You should stick with it. Um, I'm not a fan of Reggie Jackson. I don't care for Reggie Jackson. Uh, but he's the okay. indis, he's like into in standard league value, and you know banking on a point guard like that, which is amazing. You're bank, you're getting a starting point guard in the NBA, and he's going to give you bench esque value. Um, if I can get him in my last round, I. I may may say he's my favorite last round flyer because we're gonna find out pretty quick. Yeah, and I don't think you're gonna. Get, I don't think anyone's gonna get him in the last round. Right. Fact, I would take him in, you know, the third to last round. Oh, and that's kind of where I'm at. I think that probably. I mean, after pick a hundred, I'm looking at him. Certainly. And you know what I mean? Just as a shot, right? Because we talk about this a lot, right? Those last three picks in your draft are probably guys you're gonna churn through anyway. At who's the uh, starting four on this team? Oh, man. I, I think – God. I think it's – man. I was gonna, no, I think – okay. Here's what's going to happen. They're going to start Stanley Johnson, I think, from You're everything. Advice to the, to the four and uh, – and, and here's what I've been hearing. That they're, they're thinking about letting Tobias be that sixth man again. Which it didn't really matter because Tobias played. But then who's more. the starting four again? John Luer, just like he was last year. But then uh, Tobias played way more minutes than him, anyways. It was like we wanted John Luer out there to not take a huge offensive role, and then, but we couldn't let John Luer play off the bench because we had no bench players. So we couldn't make him the number one or number two option off the bench because he's not that kind of player. He's like a spot up shooter. So I think that's probably how they eventually play it. Um, I guess Stanley Johnson is the interesting one to talk about, but he's not really shown us anything to make him interesting. Yeah. I mean, if let's say John Lohr plays 30 minutes a game, is he standard league relevant? I don't think so. No. It's close, right? He's he's a guy. He's out there. He's getting some he's stuff. He's one of those guys. I, mean, I streamed him some last year. Yeah. You know what I mean? For For – some stats, but I mean, like he's just rebounds and a little bit of assists from a power forward and ten points. I mean, it's not like it's anything sexy. In um in a deeper league, is Ish Smith worth picking up just in case? How deep we talking? Um, I actually don't think it has to be that deep. Let's say fourteen team. I'm I'm uh, I'm probably taking maybe a flyer on Ish. I mean, it depends on, on what layout. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably am. I mean, in 24 minutes a game last year, nine points, five assists. I mean, He's I could a see him, guy, and he might play even more minutes. I could see him definitely getting the 24 again, and those five assists are valuable in those deep leagues, man. What about my main man Boban, the giant killer? Uh, how He's many minutes? Average 20 
three rebounds. How many minutes did Aaron Baines play last year? According to his per 36 minutes. Um, Aaron Baines played 15 minutes a game. Well, there's Boban's 15 minutes. Boban. Boban, briefly, with uh, 22 minutes a game in the last four games of the season. Average 10 rebounds. Almost average a steal and a block. That sample size is uh, completely worthless and completely not worth talking about. But is Boban going to get enough minutes to be deeply relative? He's going to get 15 a game. Is that enough? He's he's going to play the Aaron Bainesel. He's not going to get any more minutes than that. Mm, 15? I don't know. I think 15 is enough for a 16-team a, a league. Barely. Uh, um, maybe he's a guy you uh, stream, I would assume. From playing in many of those 16-team leagues, I know that it gets somewhat ugly at the end of those uh, drafts. And those are my, I would say those are my least favorite leagues to play in. And we'll probably get to that in a, in a future episode. But if you want to make your league a little bit more exciting, play in a shallower league. If you're, if you're not super into the NBA, you're coming over from fancy football, play in a shallow league. It's fun. Not a super shallow league. I'm with you. It's just different, right? I mean, it's just, it's it's a whole different ball game. Um, I kind of like it, but I mean, it's a lot different, and it's a lot harder to get uh, into if you're not a super crazy person about the NBA. Yeah, a hundred percent. If you're not really wor- worried about uh, Aaron Baines and Bino Udrick, um, maybe the deeper leagues aren't for you. Um, let's go back to someone you mentioned who I do want to talk about, and I kind of glossed over Stanley Johnson. Uh, is he, I mean, the, the word on the street is he might start if he's playing 28 minutes a game, let's say, um, is he bringing anything to the table when you look at him fantasy in the, in, in the brief few years he's played? Uh, there's not been a whole lot to get super excited about, but I'll give him 30 and tell you, I don't want him in a standard league. It looks like he could be. Oh, someone who could get some steals, but I just don't see him doing anything else. Well, and here's really super what worried me is he got 23 minutes as a rookie, and then it went down to 18. On a team that needed more people to play. Yes, on a team that that was crying and saying, our bench stinks, we need people. And he was getting 17.8 minutes a game. He can't shoot. And he can't do anything else. He, can't, he cannot shoot. This is a guy who's going to get like five rebounds and two assists and a steal in 30 minutes and maybe maybe 10 points, probably not even 10 points. There, there used to be a time where, you know, those fringe guys, um, you know, not Stanley Johnson type players, but um, your Tyler Johnsons, for instance where they did a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and they were all right, and you could throw them in there. And I think those days are gone. There's just too much talent in the NBA. There's too many guys who can shoot. There are too many centers who hit three-pointers nowadays. And a a player who can't shoot and gets you some of the – a little bit of the counting stats maybe, just really doesn't cut it anymore. I'm with you. And I don't even think Stanley Johnson could even approach that, you know, like you're saying, with 30 minutes a game. Uh, I'm not interested in him. Even in a dynasty league, I would I would stay away from him. Um, he's very young. He's 21. He's a great defender, but 
Um, he's gonna. He, we're gonna see this year. He's gonna have to prove himself. But I'm not getting excited about Stanley Johnson. Uh, anyone else on Detroit? We kind of went through the whole damn team. No, 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 and no. I'm not super into any of those guys. Even in deep leagues, the rest of them kind of get scary pretty quick. All right. Screw Detroit. Um, one of the. You know, uh, hopefully they rebuild Detroit. You know, let's let's do something that's better than Cleveland. Um, get out there, buy yourself a, a cool studio apartment in downtown Detroit. Costs thirty five dollars. <laughs> help rebuild that city. I thought maybe you were going to say they give it to you. They might. If if you're like a chef, an artist, go to. I'm not serious. There's some pretty cool places in Detroit now, um, and that's because the whole city went bankrupt. Um, let's move on quickly to another city that um, nobody wants to go to. Charlotte. Um, Charlotte. Uh, they, made, they made one of the most depressing moves this off season. They bummed me out, my friend. Yeah, the, the Charlotte used to be Bobcats. The Charlotte Hornets. Dwight Howard added to this team via trade. Um, they added Michael Carter Williams. If you wanted, to, if you wanted to like double up on you know mediocrity, they added Michael Carter Williams. They did draft uh, Malik Monk, who seems like he's somewhat promising of of a of a rookie when it comes to offensive stats. And then they basically brought back everyone else who's relevant, other than Ramon Sessions, who. Quite frankly, he wasn't terribly relevant. Who traded up to a better situation in New York and gun for him, my friend. Hey, he's he's going to play. He's going to play over there. Um, I'm a little. Uh, New York is going to be a real mess. Another team that's going to be really hard to figure out what the hell's going on. on that Another place. tire fire. I'm excited to talk about that. A lot of tire fires here in the East and a lot of crap cities. But no, I'm, I'm just mad about this Dwight trade because they took minutes away from one of my personal favorite men, Cody Zeller. Yeah, Cody Zeller takes a takes a hurt here. He was um, uh, a decent percentage guy, uh, good with the field goals anyway, and um, okay with the the free throws, a steel block um, potential esque player, good rebounds, kind of more your more of your traditional center esque player. So you know, not a world beater by any means, um, not the next Demarcus Cousins. But is Cody Zeller going to get enough minutes to be relevant this year? Well. They got Marvin Williams as a four, okay? And assuming they, they valued Dwight Howard over Cody Zeller, which they must. we could talk about. Well, we could talk about, is he better? I mean, like, sure, maybe they thought that, I mean, they're Charlotte. They sometimes get a little crazy. They might have thought they were buying Dwight Howard in 2007, not 2017. Yeah, is, is he better um, is debatable. But are they going to play Dwight Howard more minutes than Cody Zeller? And the answer is yes. Yeah. So that's the question for me becomes, okay, they kind of established Cody Zeller ahead of Frank Kaminsky in their pecking order last year when they were when he was healthy. So are they going to be comfortable playing Cody Zeller at the four a little bit with Dwight Howard? That's really the question I'm looking for the answer to in the sense that if they are, I think Cody Zeller can get similar to the minutes he got last year, maybe slightly less, maybe only 25 or 26 instead of 28. If they're not comfortable playing Zeller at the four, that minute load's going to take a hit. Uh, yeah, and I don't think they're going to be. I think uh, a more natural fit at the four would be using someone like Marvin Williams 
in um, depending on who they're playing or well, we'll see, Frank Kaminsky. But, but see, here's the thing. Okay, so it's basically Marvin Williams and Dwight Howard are going to start, right? I, I don't think there's much yeah. debate about that. So you got Kaminsky and Zeller to play the rest of those minutes. And so the question becomes, what's the breakdown there between those four players? Uh, if they give Howard 30 and Zeller's only going to play center, I mean, that's simple math. There's 18 minutes for Cody Zeller. Yeah. And I, I think that's enough. Um, if it's down to 18, I think that's enough to just drop Cody Zeller out of uh, even worth mentioning in uh, standard leagues. Uh, and Frank Kaminsky as well. Um, I, I think he loses some of his luster, even though he wasn't really you know, standard league relevant uh, too often last year, even though he does have the ability to hit some threes. Um, this team just got worse fantasy-wise and probably worse in real life as well. Well, and Dwight Howard just is not a guy you can get excited about being on your team anymore. He's always complaining about something and just seems like he's in general kind of just a guy who's unhappy with his life. And just, I'm, Yeah, I'm not really sure what's wrong with him. Um, there's just always some sort of circus around him. Though. You always hear the story of, oh, he wants the ball more. He wants this. He wants that. It's like It seems like he's a giant kid. You know what I mean? Like he just <laughs> – it's like, when are you going to take our – this is currently your job, still your job. We're all in here taking it very seriously. Um, I think that was like, you know, Kobe's number one beef with him was that uh, Kobe was a murderer. You know, Kobe was trying to murder other people. He was considering murdering other people. Um, he was, you know, secretly like, you know, taunting uh, or like basically making players hate other players on their other team. Uh, doing like wild, you know, mental nujitsu on people. Dwight Howard's the exact opposite of that by like a thousand percent. And he's, you know, he's, he's, you know, just not good anymore. And uh, fancy wise, he's, he's very bad. And him being on this team just drops Cody Zeller and Frank Kaminsky out of standard league relevancy. Um, Michael K. Gilchrist. Do you like him at all? Okay, I've got one, I got no, go one more thing I want to say about Dwight Howard. Um, so he's always been relatively healthy, uh, except for barring a few seasons where he kind of had big injuries. But yes. He played 74 and 71 and then 41, 71, 76 games for the last five years. So relatively healthy there. But we've seen the big men, especially when they get into the 30s, kind of maybe hit a wall. And go down with something big. And if, now this is an if, if that happens, I'm snatching Cody Zeller that minute. 100%. That's that's a good thing to look out for is a, a possible Dwight Howard injury. Um, C- Cody Zeller will then play 30-plus minutes, I would assume. And be really, really interesting in the sense that he can get that block and steal and just do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And be a nice little value for you. So there's that. Okay, Michael Kidd Gilchrist, I'm ready. What's the question? The question is, do I give a crap about Michael Kidd Gilchrist? Uh, yeah, definitely give a crap about the answer Michael was Kidd. no. The answer was no. You do. I do not give a crap about Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Um, so surprisingly to me, Kidd Gilchrist shot zero three pointers. The o- maybe the only small forward in the league who did not shoot a three pointer last year. I mean, do I do I need to go into the same diatribe I just went into? 
the guys who get uh, the counting stats here and there but can't shoot don't matter anymore. What? These What's fringe it? guys, and this Michael Kikokris kind of matters a little bit more than some. These fringe guys who just get a little bit of this and a little bit of that and can't shoot just uh, don't muster. They, you know, four years ago maybe this would have been an all right guy to take in. A, but here's rounds. the thing: I'll say his percentages are pretty good. He can't shoot, but he's smart enough not to shoot. True. Um, and he's got the block and the steal. I'm kind of interested in him as a late round value. Why? And, why has he never played thirty minutes a game? I don't think he's a great player, but you cannot be a great player and be all right for fantasy. And I think he kind of is. Yeah, I, you know, I disagree. There's nothing to get excited about here. No, there's nothing to get excited about. He's a filler. He's a oh, it's one of those late rounds, and there's really man him or you know. He's a guy that I look for in those late rounds when I'm. I, Tyler I need, Johnson, I guess. Who, who would you rather have, Michael K. Gilchrist or Tyler Johnson? Probably Tyler Johnson, but Oof. it's not. But Kid Gilchrist is in line for a safer twenty-nine minutes. Yeah, the 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 playing time is there, and that's obviously the most important stat when it comes to fantasy. But he's not doing anything with those twenty-nine minutes. Hey, seventy-sixth ranked in total value last year. And he played 81 games. But. Give me, give me a break. He was actually uh, ahead of Tyler Johnson. That's in that is incredible. Uh, he played 81 games, which is why his totals were good enough. His per game value in head to head nine cat is 108. Um, still standing relevant, my friend. I'm telling still, you. Damn. Sadly, he's he's. I mean, okay, not sadly, but he's standardly relevant. He's he's had a few health problems here, but I'm not too I'm not too worried about that. Um, okay, I don't care about Michael Kikokris. I don't ever want to talk about Michael Kikokris again. I'm still I'm still taking him late in my draft. If he's, oh my if he's there in the last round. I'm taking him, man. You I'm telling you, you I'm, gonna, I'm gonna use him to defeat you many times this season, and I'm gonna laugh. Great, I can't I can't wait for you to take Kikokris and lose. Uh, Marvin Williams, is he still oh. gonna just turn out the? You know, an all right season. He's a he's a much better Michael K. Gilchrist. Uh, <laughs> uh, you broke me there. Um, why should I expect Marvin Williams to be anything less than Marvin Williams was last year? Yep, I, I'm fully on board. He's um, 31, so you know he's at that age where things might slow down a little bit, but he doesn't really get buy on his like super athleticism by, by any means and, he and approaches that steel block type of um he's got that type of personality in his game um he on the other and, hand can actually hit a three um, well, and, and like we discussed there's not a lot of guys pushing him for minutes yes he seems pretty safe right around that 30 a game mark and it's like uh sign me up he's getting more minutes than kid Gilchrist. um let's go to the top two players on this team Kimber Walker and Nick Batum. Uh, Kimber Walker, could he be better than he was last year? No. He's right in the middle of his prime. He's 27 years old. No. He upped his game across the board. Uh, getting he, he did – this is something that happened to Mike Connolly. started losing his steals – but started gaining his uh, more three pointers, more a uh, few more assists. 
he's kind of an all around other than, you know, you're going to get volume shooting at a, uh, in the low forties. So that is going to affect your field goal percentage. But other than that, his, his turnover rate is very low for a well, guy who okay. handles the ball as much as he does. He doesn't get elite assists, but he, he, he does enough of the assists and rebounding to be a, you know, uh, according to last year, he's a, he's a top 30 player. Yes. Um, so, okay, here's two, two, two places I want to take you to task on him. Okay. He shot the most field goals he shot in the last four years and shot 44%. Does that mm-hmm. stick around? I'm proud of him. Um, yeah, I think it, I, maybe not 40 exactly that that high, but I don't see him dropping any into the 30s. I think he's figured it out. I think he's figured out his game. Um, I know he's had previous seasons where he's dropped uh, below the the 40 field goal mark, but uh, kind of like Mike Connolly, point, some of these point guards are very late bloomers. And I think Kim Walker is is one of those late bloomers where he's figured it out. Look at Isaiah Thomas. I'm not going to compare Kim and Isaiah by any means, but they figure it out. And there is a peak period, and Kim Walker is right in the middle of it. Do the blocks and steals come back? That's the tough question. I'm not sure. See, see I tend I, – and this is why I said no. I think he's the same player. And if anything, I think his field goal percentage gets a little worse, and it's forty-three percent instead of forty-four. But I don't see the blocks and steals coming back. the The ways he gets better is if he shoots the good percentage again, and the blocks and steals come back. Yeah, and, and then there's a potential for that. There is if I had to put money on it, I'd probably say no. Um, but I also wouldn't say he's going to take a uh, any significant drop off. Oh, oh, he was. I still have him ranked around you know where he was a few people have jumped him uh simply because i think there's a handful of people who are going to get much better next season uh which i'm excited to talk about but i don't have a problem with people taking kimba walker um you know in the third round where a lot of people take kimba walker i'm with you there i think that's kind of where i'm at like probably third maybe probably more mid third late third that's kind of where i'm at with him do you hate nick batum I love Nick Batum. Whoa! The exact opposite of what I thought you were going to say. Why do you love Nick Batum? Uh, I just think Nick Batum is always like super underrated. Nick Batum's a guy I end up on with while all my teams. I, I won't say a lot, but a, a good amount. Um, I like the assists and rebounds combo there with the steal and the usually half a block, although he didn't quite get there last season. Um, the percentages are not great. Obviously, the field goal, the free throw is pretty good. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Batum. I own Batum quite a bit, actually. Nick Batum is endlessly frustrating for me. Um, he always ends up being – well, there's a couple years where I picked him up and, he, you know, of course it was the one year he completely struggled in his last year in Portland. The, but the year he had nine points a game? Yeah, I wasn't very happy about that. Um but Nick, Nick Batum is very is in, endless refreshing for for this reason, right? I'm going to read you two consecutive uh, lines from last year. 31 points, eight rebounds, four assists, a block, and eight three-pointers. Next game, five points, seven rebounds, four assists, one three-pointer. His inconsistency is, is often just absurd but when you average all that out 
uh, he ends up being usually a very good player that a lot of people don't. He's a set it and forget it guy. I'll yeah. give that. You okay. cannot look at his stat lines. You just you got to look at his like monthly stat line, not his not his daily stat line. And, and then you can then you can survive owning Nick Batum. And honestly, I, I think he is underdrafted in he's in a lot of the criminally drafts. underdrafted a lot of times. Yeah. So he's a great value, and in that sense, I do love Nick Batum. I hate looking at his um, stat line every day. But, I, but, I should just stop doing that, and then the problem solved, huh? Well, and you can't read too much into any one thing. I, I think you know you got to look at things kind of in a bigger picture in, in fantasy, and especially with the way you you like to play in roto. I mean, I'm always looking big picture in roto um, until it gets down to the end, obviously, and then you're looking kind of right now because that's all that matters. But yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Nick Batum. I will probably own Nick Batum a healthy amount this season because he will probably go in the 50, 60, 70 range, and I will be the one taking him. But do you still think he's going to bring the type of the same type of value that he brought last year into into this season? I think Nick Batum's Nick Batum, man. I don't I don't see any reason why any of that changes. Um, all right, yeah, I think that's it for this week. Uh, we got through three teams. Uh, do you have anything uh, you want to plug this week, Tyler? I do not really, my friend. I am looking forward to writing some stuff, but I have nothing out at this moment. It's, a, it's the dead period for uh, for the NBA, finally. Um, yeah, I don't really have anything out either. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at watch. Oh, the that, is, that is not true, Mike. What? You're, you're not going to plug your new podcast? Uh, okay. I will plug the new podcast. It's not officially out. Um, if you go to um, hashtag I, I listened to an episode. I'm, How's that not thank out? Thank you. I, I appreciate it. Um, it is, we don't have our own official feed yet, uh, but oh, we are doing okay. uh, hashtag bulls. Uh, I am doing hashtag bulls with Jordan Schultz. So if you want to hear how much I hate uh, the front office in Chicago and get insight from being actually in the United Center as the fans slowly turn on Fred Hoiberg. Uh, we're gonna we're, we got to make it lively this season. We're gonna have some segments about how uh, how terrible Hoiberg is. Um, I'm sure there'll be a segment about uh, how bad Cameron Payne is. Uh, it will be an interesting season in in Chicago. So if you want to check that out, hashtag Bulls. Uh, you cannot find it on podcasts where you find podcasts today, uh, but do keep an eye out. For hashtag bulls wherever you download podcasts right now. And if you like this podcast, you should leave a review and rate us because it helps other people find um, and uh, listen to our podcast or tell a friend. You know? Tell two. Um, you know what? Just tell two. Tell anyone you got. Yeah. Tell people on the street. <laughs> Stop Don't people do that. on the street. No, do it. I'll think you're crazy. That's fine. They'll never see them again. It's totally fine. And then they'll hear about our podcast. Um, yeah, I think that's that's all I got. Uh, what's your Twitter handle, Tyler, so people can, you know, hit you up with all their. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Watsy four 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 four. That's four fours, to make sure it is confusing as possible. Um, and I am at Watch the Boxes, per usual. If you are interested in joining a watching the boxes fantasy league, feel free to at um, DM either one of us, and we will put you. Um, in touch with the registration, which is simply clicking on a link and then being in that league. It's a very difficult process. 
So if you're if you're interested in defeating us in fantasy basketball, um, feel free to hit us up. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks, Tyler. Have a good one, Mike.